Hello, this is Matt Brown, the worship pastor here at Glen Allen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, September 4th, 2022. Hey everybody, I'm John Vanderbilt. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level. Good morning. Happy, what is it, Labor Day? Not yeah, anymore. Post Tuesday. Labor Day. Tuesday. Did you all labor yesterday? Nope. I, it's a great day. Uh, scrubbed some wallpaper glue <laughs> off of one of our walls. It took about two hours. Yeah. For a very small section. That's the worst. We're just we're still going. We're like five years in. We're just still plugging away, man. Are you not putting? You could have just put up new wallpaper. That wouldn't have worked. No, wallpaper's back, man. Uh, I know, it's right? It's been we back. Just, John. You're talking like I, I know. know. I was like, it's been back. <laughs> it's not like a news flash. <laughs> we have one room. I know seven, <laughs> seven layers. Seven layers. That's awesome. Oh. One room, seven. Layers. I was just talking to somebody about that. When you go to remodel your bathroom and you take up the tile, and then you realize there's like another layer of tile. <laughs> And then you realize, like, you can't just go on top of things right. anymore. Your doors won't fit. <laughs> right. Like, right, right, the right. ceiling feels lower. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun. Yeah. So that was my labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did a bunch of nothing, which is great. That's nice. That's yeah. good. My kids still had, we had practices still yesterday. Football practice, soccer practice. But we had some time in the day to hang out. It was fun. Practices on Labor Day weekend? Yeah, man. Man, you gotta want. I canceled mine. You want to be a winner? Yeah. (laughs) You want to be a winner? (laughs) Uh, Let me answer that. No, No. not really. No, I want my weekends off. (laughs) In fairness, these were high school practices. Well, that's that's different. That's different. Actually, we had all three at practice, but it's not third and fourth flag, right? Right. (laughs) Parks and. I don't know what it is about football games. I go to a football game. I immediately want to hit somebody. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> you, wait, you're I, confused just, by that? Because like, you're just watching it. It gets so that's... me so pumped up. Okay. When you say hit somebody, <laughs> so do you mean like, like pat up and just go lay somebody out? Or do you mean like... It just makes me feel real aggressive. Okay. All right. hmm, I think that's the intention for some reason. I think that's why we watch it. I, have, I sit it's in the gladiators. stands. I sit in the stands telling myself, behave. 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 <laughs> this is why fights break out in yes. stadiums. Yes. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you get amped up when Andrew was was playing? Would you get? Oh my god! Too into Did you it? have to like stand on the <laughs> Did back? Did Sherry and, have to restrain you? Yeah. Yeah. That's like the one yeah. of the coaches at Wheaton Academy has to have a lollipop in his yeah. mouth the whole time, yeah. so he doesn't say anything or do anything. He regrets. It's like a reminder not regrets. to regrets. Mm-hmm. Regrets. Yeah. Love football season. Ready for it? Yeah, man. A lot of football this weekend. We're kind of back. Like, we're back. We haven't mm-hmm. been yeah, in this configuration a for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. Last week was so good, you guys. If People, if you didn't listen to the podcast, it was a really good one. Yeah, it was a nice follow-up to Mark's sermon. He did yeah. a great job preaching, and then it did a great job podcasting. Mm-hmm. And do you listen to the podcast, Simone, when you're not on it? I do. Wow, yes, okay. I do. I try to keep up. I try to keep up. Well, I really, <laughs> I loved the sermon, not to bring up last week i thought he marked such a great job my kids had such great feedback so i wanted to hear more so i it's valuable when, it when our yeah. kids want to listen to the sermon right mm-hmm. speaking of student ministries i thought blake's communion was excellent yeah His he did a great job blake, blake led us yesterday yeah. in communion mm-hmm. it was really personal and blake yeah. is our uh, middle school director yeah talking yeah. about sin and mm-hmm the sacrifice need i mean i thought yeah. just nailed it yeah did it in such a way that um, was easy to kind of relate to and connect to. Yeah, sometimes it's like you maybe you feel when you're asked to share something from the front, you feel the weight of saying something no one's heard yeah, or blowing right, someone's right. mind. But sometimes, man, just get up and present the gospel mm-hmm. and talk yeah. about what communion is, maybe share a personal story, and it's it's just right. It's perfect, yeah. and that's exactly what he did. Was that his first time up to bat, up on the platform? It was his first time leading. For communion. Yeah, he's done announcement okay. stuff for Student Ministry Sunday and things like that, but yeah. That's good, and he's right. I mean, he's in the beginnings of of a lot of studying and reading, and yeah. right for school for seminary. Yeah, right? some, yeah. So he's he's in seminary you know, his right brain now. Is, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. His he's brain a, is in that mode. You yeah, know? He lo- like, he's a real learner. He loves to read and learn. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was good. So yesterday, yeah, yesterday was a good, um, 
good talk about sin and shame and things and um, so we got a lot of good questions about Currently, it. Currently, Kelly's in the uh, worst book club ever. Yeah, Friday morning at six a.m. <laughs> to read Puritan content. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it's a cool group. I know some of the folks yeah. in there. That's a that's a fun group. And I'm I don't it. think anybody in the group was at church yesterday. Oh, and you were hoping they they were because it was kind of a confession. Right. It was kind of like you needed to clear things up right. a little bit. Maybe they'll go back and listen. <laughs> it's always good when you use the pulpit to speak to two people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Let's uh, let's get in the first question. Hey, you know, before yeah. we jump into that, it's interesting you bring that up. <laughs> you, you know, when, when preachers preach, they're often faced with the question, how am I going to get into the water? That's it, the phrase we use around here, getting into the water. How am I going to get into my subject? How am I going to broach the scripture? How am I going to get people ready to listen? And it's often, it can be a personal if, story. It can be. Yeah. It, and we fight the battle of, we don't want to offer canned stories, there are whole books and websites you can go to to get stories. Uh, and I wondered afterwards, gosh, does anybody care that I'm in a book club? You know, or that, you know <laughs> probably not. But here's the, here's the way I that lo- you painted your book club. I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly no one wants to join. <laughs> here's, here's, do, you, do you get the free pizza if you have 10 books read in the summer? <laughs> right, right. Here's the value, I think, is... If I were, and I I listened to Josh Moody's sermon this morning from Sunday, when I hear people preach, I want want to hear they're growing. Mm. I want to hear that the word of God is changing their heart and mind. Oh, for sure. And so those are the introductions or applications I want to hear that tell me scripture's living and active in this person's life. Anyway. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right. Let's get into it. Hey, do you hear that? I think your mic's cutting out. Did anybody else hear that? No. Matt's mic. I haven't heard it yet. It's just Matt. Don't worry about it. All right. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Does God forget our sin? I've always thought that we should not remember our sin because God has forgotten our sin. I even felt it was dishonoring to Jesus to remember my sin. Thanks. Hey, there are, I think, some scripture that say God will remember our sins no more. Um, uh, Hebrews 10, verse 17 says he'll remember our sins no more. I think Hebrews 12 has a phrase like that. But that doesn't mean he's forgotten our sinfulness we need to remember the the attributes of God. He's omniscient. What would it mean for someone who's all-knowing to forget? So it, it's a contradiction in, in realities to say that an all-knowing God would forget something. So when Scripture says he remembers no more, I've always taken that to mean he's made a willful decision to no longer hold my sins against me. It's a part of the process so that the theological word would be justification. He is seeing me justified before him that is in right standing because of my trust in Christ as Savior. So yes, there are scriptures that say he remembers our sins no more, but that doesn't mean he forgets. An all-knowing God can't forget. The remembering we're called to do is to remember what we've been saved from. That's how I would like to say it. Our, our posture is different because we're not God. So um, we're to remember, certainly, that we're sinners uh, saved. Uh, our, ours is one of uh, actively remembering our sin and the grace shown towards us. And I'll just offer John, First uh, John uh, chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, his word is not in us. So there is this ongoing testimony of Christians that we're both simultaneously sinner and saved. That we, we do sin, have sinned, will sin, are sinning, 
and his grace is sufficient. Where sin is increased, grace increased all the more. What did y'all think? Did y'all, someone asked me that just this morning. What do we do with the notion that God, because growing up, I heard often that God's forgotten your sin. Yeah. He's not holding it against you. And, and, and I don't think that served me well. Some people use the, the Psalm 103 where um, it says, for as far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And then it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Then... It says, for he knows how we are formed and he remembers that we are dust. And I, I think I've heard, and maybe you others have as well, sort of this idea that, well, our sin is so, it's, it's as far as the east is from the west. It's completely forgotten by God or completely gone or, you know, that sort of a thing. And I think this p- paints the, that picture that it's not held against us anymore. It's not, it's not remembered. He removes it completely is the that kind of language but yet he still remembers and knows that we are dust (laughs) like it's to to your point that um we like to sometimes take the phrases in some way that that make us feel better a little bit Mm -hmm. like god's forgotten everything god's removed it completely i shouldn't dwell on it i shouldn't think of it i shouldn't remember it you know and I, I get it at one level, um, and at the same time, I think I think your picture of a saved sinner who continues to sin, mm-hmm. we can we often sin, <laughs> some some daily, some hourly, some minute by minute, and yet we are saved, and our sin has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. It doesn't condemn us; it doesn't damn us any longer when we are in Christ. Just has anybody ever explained to you why the east west? is the separation of sins rather than north-south. Oh, no, I've never heard it in comparison. So, I mean, I think conceptually, if on the, if on the it, globe, but... you head north, at some point... You reach south? You have to go south. <laughs> but if on the globe, <laughs> you, head, you head west... This isn't, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> think with me. Am I wrong? Help me. If on the if I sound stupid, we'll cut this out. How about, <laughs> I have to cut it out. No, <laughs> I mean I'm waiting for the. I'm keep going. So if on the globe, okay, you go north. You go north. At some point, you have to turn south. But if on the globe you go west, you never at any point have to turn east. Oh, to get back to where you're going, yourself. Right. Huh. So to separate east. That's from not so west. bad. That's actually pretty good. Good Thank job, you. Callie. Good job. <laughs> so that when our sins are separated as far as the east from the west, they never meet. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. I, I took it to mean like <laughs> in that context, I, geog- like the, the rising and, and setting of the sun. You can always mm-hmm. just keep going west, is what you're saying. Yes. You just keep, but yeah, you yeah. can't always keep going north. At some point, you turn south. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Good job, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Sorry for doubting you. <laughs> um, it just started to sound funny when you can started to talk now? about it. <laughs> if you're going to go north, you got to go south. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, I'll be uh, saving that snippet. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, to the part of the question, I even felt it was dishonoring to Jesus to remember my sin. I would say no. Um, like, but there was a time in my walk with Jesus where uh, early on when I was getting a bigger, I was starting to get a bigger and bigger picture of God and it was making me feel more shamed about who I was and the sin that I had, right? All mm-hmm. sin separates us from God, but some sins carry much larger consequences and involve more people. And so when I thought about my personal sin, I was just, I was like disgusted and shamed. And I think if you're in that place, then you can have that conversation. Is it dishonoring to Jesus or whatever? Because it's going to, you're not going to live in the victory and the freedom that comes Mm -hmm. with Christ. And so once that was lovingly pointed out to me, like it, it, you know, I had to work through that and, and really come to, terms with like, wow, all I've done is it really is forgiven. It really, Mm. I really am free from that. I really am, you know, but also I think in remembering your sin, um, it helps, like you don't have to dwell on it, but to remember it, I think it helps me um, to know that I can walk into certain situations or conversations and, and be able to talk to people on a personal level. And if I've totally just forgotten all of it, it may be tough to recall and tough to 
you know, relate and those kinds of things. So that's how I kind of process it for me. Question number two kind of gets into this. Go ahead. Well, I, yeah, you're right. It does. We talk more about this, but there's, um, it's, it's a complex issue. It, like you, if you really think about it, that we believe that we're saved from our sin, but yet we keep on sinning. Like it's a hard, it's hard to explain, especially to kids. I think that's a question later. Um, and it's even hard to believe that you're making any progress in terms of sanctification if you're continuing to sin every day. Like it doesn't go away, um, but yet you believed you're saved from it. So I know I. It, it is a complex issue. I, I empathize with this person who's asking it because you want, you, it puts in my heart a longing for the day that comes where there will be no more sin. Mm-hmm. And that is the, that's the direction we're headed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we will have that ultimate and complete freedom on the other side of this life. And that, that's even hard for me to wrap my mind mm-hmm. around. So, yeah, get it, and that was kind of getting into the next question. So segueing into the next one, what would you say to those who struggle with shame and self-hatred? In other words, all I think about is my sinfulness and how I have let the Lord and others down. What am I to do? Well, first I'd say there are different prescriptions for different diseases. Israel's problem was different from yours. Israel's problem was they forgot their sin and they acted as if they hadn't sinned. And uh, they even accused God of letting them down. God had failed them, apparently. Uh, they had that disposition or posture uh, to accuse God rather than to, to accept ownership for their sins. So what was prescribed to them, I would say, is a little different than what you need. Um, and generally in the American church, I'm not, my whole point was, I, I don't think we uh, generally in the American church are willing to really look at our sinfulness um, we, we want to feel better about ourselves. We want a self-help experience on Sunday morning. But to get the real help that we need, we need to do the difficult work of uh, confession, acknowledgement of our sinfulness. So if you're in a place where you struggle with shame and self-hatred, you're in a different place than the Israelites were. Uh, so there's a different need you have. To those who are struggling with shame over their sinfulness and self-hatred because of their behavior, I would say trying not to think about a pink unicorn, you'll, you'll not be successful. You're going to think about a pink unicorn. In other words, I would stop, or it, it's been my experience when I've struggled with uh, shame or self-hatred, rather than trying not to think about that. I, I readily admit it without dwelling on it. I say, yes, I behave that way. Yes, I did those people wrong in that way. And then move quickly to celebrating Christ has covered it. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to, to, there's a popular in today's um, self-help world, there's the notion of forgiving yourself. And I understand what they're getting at. But it's much more powerful when I learn and, and it really sinks into my soul that my creator has forgiven me. I actually don't have the power to pardon myself, but my creator has pardoned me through the sacrifice of Christ. So rather than battling, denying um, my sinful behavior, I admit it quickly and then do everything I can to focus on the sacrifice of Christ. Revel in his goodness. Yeah. Simone, how do you see the burden of shame play out in your ministries? That's a great question. I mean, it is, it is such a strong emotion. And I think I already shared a little bit before we started recording. Like, I just immediately thought about the shame that comes around our sexual histories. And when I read this question, kind of thinking about where do people get stuck? And I think that is uh, a place that obviously is um, a hindrance in people's spiritual growth, particularly with women in who we work with at Naomi's house who've been sinned against sexually. I think it's such a hard um, place to heal from. But I also know, I mean, we all know this sitting right here, that this is, it's so prevalent even in our congregation that um, shame and guilt, particularly around sexual history, is 
um, I think it's just a, 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 this is obvious to say, but it's just a place the enemy attacks and it's against the body. And so it feels even more, it's not like I, I you know, I, I ran a red light that has very, you know, and in, in like the consequences are minimal, whereas sexual sin and mm-hmm. histories and shame around that is against the body. So it sits with you and your My brain. body, other people's bodies. All of it. Right, right, right. So this is, um, I'm far from having, you know, an expert opinion on this, but I I definitely know that without talking about shame, Mm -hmm. it gets worse. Like shame grows in silence and isolation. Yes. So to it's that ha- yeah. beach ball we try to hold mm-hmm. under the water and we just can't yeah. after a while. Yeah, and I think this is a beautiful thing that the church has such potential, and I think our church does this well, continues to have potential to do it even better, but to really uh, develop a culture within our youth group, within our women's ministry, within our men's ministry. I mean, it's essentially what you're doing in your book clubs. I almost said weird book clubs. I'm sorry, <laughs> the people are not weird. I'm sure they <laughs> intend to be, you know, it's, it's great. Um but we're trying to develop a culture where people can be honest about mm-hmm. their shame and their mm-hmm. sin and they can feel like we can talk about these things. I would even say in small groups, like you really want to be in a place where you can let your guard down enough and, and assess, am I going to be safe here to share the things I want to share and talk about the things that bring you shame or that you're ashamed of. And it helps fight against what breeds shame is isolation. And I've, no one ever will relate to this. I'm the only person who's ever done this or that has mm-hmm. experienced yeah. it. So the more you can talk about it and feel free in community to address it, mm-hmm. the more you can heal from it. Um, I, I literally keep a sticky note in my little journal of all journals, you know, that talks about guilt, the difference between shame and guilt, where guilt needs forgiveness and shame needs healing. Mm-hmm. And really trying to unpack that in different settings and what that looks like. Um, so just all the empathy in the world to anyone who's listening or sitting in our small groups or congregations or Bible studies or whatever, who is battling shame, especially, especially around, um, you know, your sexual history or things that you don't want to talk about because it feels shameful or embarrassing. Yeah. Um, find yeah, that safe person just to start talking about it. And I, one more thing, sorry. Clearly I, thought sorry. About, clearly I thought about this question. There's also a level of, um, you know, the, the church I want to, like, and I think of someone's like um, resources to get help and healing and the church should, should be, like if you think of it as a buffet, like the church needs to be a part of your healing journey. But if there are going to be circumstances or situations where you're also going to need professional clinical help as well. And I just want to encourage someone to say, you might have prayed about this all you can and you're not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like go see a professional therapist, talk mm-hmm. to someone who has training, particularly around some of these very specific issues that impacts your brain where you'll, you'll need someone who has that professional mm-hmm. um, specialty to help you move forward. And there's so much freedom to be had if, mm-hmm. if that's you. That's yeah. good. Man, Shane's voice is so loud and so commanding and so like um if if this question asker is is dealing with current sin when you know some folks get shame when they think about their past sins but and if you're if you're continuing to sin one of the other things you need is god's word right like i just read it this morning psalm 119 i've hidden uh something like i've hidden your word in my heart so that i won't sin against you anymore so Mm -hmm. like Man, if you want something to beat that voice of shame down, man, put God's word in your heart. Know That's it. Good. Be in it every day. Like that, those truths will, you know, will go to battle with, with shame's voice when it starts to try to bring you down. And man, and that can be an encouragement. One thing that, that you can do, one practical thing you can do to, to help with that, shame, with that voice of shame. One of the best books I, I've read on... Um, sexual brokenness and cycles of shame is titled unwanted by Jay Stringer. It, um, it was, yeah, again, the best book I've read, what was fascinating for me was to learn from Stringer. Um, he's an evangelical Christian and, um, really puts together for me how the, how humanity gets stuck in cycles of shame 
part of his explanation is that <clears throat> self-hatred and the shame we feel from uh, sexual either victimization or poor, you know, sinful decisions, we want to correct them. And so we relive them. Mm. We recreate them. So the desire to have power over uh, an instance where we were victimized or where we acted other than we, we really wanted to, where we, we loathe our historic behavior, will actually continue to revisit those behaviors in a desire to master them, to have power over them. And so we get stuck in a cycle of, of shame, and then we try to overpower them, when the freedom, the freedom comes, and Simone, you, you mentioned this, through, in the, the biblical word is confession, talking to somebody about how we were victimized or victimized others, and, and the longing to be forgiven, and to hear that spoken from somebody. Uh, there's a powerful opportunity. When we confess our sins to one another, James tells us, confess them to one another. Uh, I behaved this way. I did these things. And then to hear from one another the forgiveness that's given towards us, mediated towards us through Christ. The sin you've committed is covered by the blood of Christ. Trust in Christ who's freed you. Uh, walk in joy and freedom according to, you know. So we hear that. And then James says, pray for one another that you be, may be healed. And so there's this pattern of escaping shame, escaping sin in our shameful behaviors through confession and prayer. I'm so glad you mentioned that because not only do we try to re rewrite it for ourselves, we also try to pass it down to our kids. Well, you know what I mean? Or like, don't we, do what I do type so of a thing. And we, we try, we inevitably overcorrect. Yes. Yes. Which is harmful. And our kids, I love to remind parents, our kids sense our fears for them. Oh my no. gosh. And, yes. and they resent them. Yes. They resent them. Yeah. So, and then they, they, they act in resentful ways. <laughs> I shared this a little bit yesterday with the Vaynervelds and we were hanging out, but our daughter, sh podcast, please don't share this with her. <laughs> but she had, a, she had a, a, a male friend come over and that's all you need to know. I don't know this kid. It was the first time we met him, but we said we need to meet him, blah, blah, blah. He comes over. It was very not awkward. He ended up being a total sweetheart, very polite. We had a good time. But... He, they left. They walked downtown Wheaton, and I turned to Anthony. I'm like, I am so triggered. It was unbelievable mm. the amount of emotion that came back to my brain, like I was a 15 year old girl all over again, and it felt real time. And so, that, as if your yeah. behaviors and experience yes. would automatically be her behaviors and experiences. So, number one was I was feeling as if I was on a date with this boy. That was number one, which is. Not helpful. Not helpful. No. <laughs> right? anybody. No. But that's the, that is how I felt in that moment. That's how powerful our brains can, can work in situations because my 15-year-old dating experiences were not great. So trauma flooding my real-time brain in that moment. Thankfully, I had enough self-awareness to look to my precious husband and be like, I'm so triggered right now. Like, we're married, right? We're safe and everything's good. <laughs> we're fine, right? This is not me. <laughs> and then the other part is really balancing how much do I live this out through, like, to her? How much do I try to control her? How much do I try to protect her? It was as if I'd never parented, ever again. Like, into that, that moment felt all brand new to me. Like, I've never done this before. So, uh, Bless, it, bless her heart. <laughs> she has to live through and this. And when our children, <laughs> when our children, since we project on them, yeah. our experiences, our fears, they just, that's not going to go well. No. They're going to resist that. They're going to want you to know in no uncertain terms, I am not you. Yeah. And they actually, they need to hear from us that God is greater than all our sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, it, so I actually, I think there's a real opportunity I've started to, maybe this is, I don't know, some professional parent coach out there can probably tell me this is a bad idea. But <laughs> Let's hear it. We'll tell you. <laughs> I've, started, <laughs> I've started to, especially with my older boys, I've started to say things like, hey, can, let me give you a tip. Do you want to hear it or not? That's awesome. Or I'll say, yeah. I'll say pro tip. 
Like, because mm-hmm. that's their, you know, they say that stuff all the time. Like, yeah, pro tip, don't wear your hat backwards anymore. Or whatever it is. <laughs> so, is that, I mean, wait, is that for real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just this, so just this morning, and I was like, hey, pro tip, at school today, when you're interacting with this person, maybe don't do this or say this <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Because if I tell them, yeah. you have to do this. I mean, there's certain things you have to do. Like, you have to have your driver's license when you're driving. You have, you when know, they're two, they you have to stay t- out of the street. You, yes. Yeah, but as they get old, like, right. my 16, almost 17-year-old, for me to, you have to do this. You have to wear this. You have to act. It's just not going to go well. Yeah. But if I leverage the relationship and the influence and the trust that he has in me and, and the other guys in our home, they can take the advice or not. I've at least given it to them. Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't go well and they come back and they're like, that didn't go well. I'm like, well, I did give you the pro tip. <laughs> I know, but some of tip. these are big deals. Like well, you said uh, it. You're like, you watched Maddie walk down the street to go to Graham's and she's going to come back pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. That's I'm my, not going to pro tip her out of this. That I'm going to like that was my good, body slam this boy. That was my good pastoral moment right there, right? <laughs> I was like, that's she's exactly like, what's going to happen. I'm like, she walked away. You thought she was going to come back pregnant. She's like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to? No pro tips gonna stop that. Wait, what's going on at Graham's chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man! And I'm again, sweating. I mean, every kid's different. Every home's different. Every relationship's different. There's certainly things that you need to say to your kids. Yes, you you are no. You cannot do that. This is not an optional tip. But there are certain things that yeah. our kids, you know, for sure, like being. You're 15, you're, you know, yeah, yeah. don't go places alone, don't, Good point. you know, yeah. whatever, but. To circle back to the question, which I took, I've so yeah. appreciated this person asking, is that it's so important that we do our own work, because whether it's going to trickle out to, you know, people that we're close to, whether it's our spouses or our kids or our ministry and workplaces, if we're not dealing and working through our own shame and things that keep us if locked. we're not growing. But it's going to yeah. impact other people too, I guess yeah. is my point. Like yeah. if I'm not dealing with the things that yeah. came up in my own experience just this Saturday night, my kids are, my daughter is the one who's going to suffer. You're finally working it out. Three. Right. Thanks, well, <laughs> that's, that's the deal with trauma though. Yeah. I mean, trauma, it, it, I always liken it to a beach. If, if you've had significant trauma in your life, stuff washes up on the beach, you have to clean it off, and, beaches, and the beach is clean for a little while, the beach being our life. Mm-hmm. And the, but it washes up again, and it washed up again for mm-hmm. you. It, and so you have to do some work. Uh, Sherry and I continue and have, for the last decade, had to remind ourselves our kids' experience in their home of origin is not the same right. as our experiences in our homes of origin, right. which is not to say our kids' experiences were perfect. But there did come a time when I had to share with my children, listen, I, I'm relating to you in this way uh, in an unhealthy fashion. Here's what I'm struggling with. And it did. I think it helped them to hear, I've got this baggage. Mm-hmm. And this baggage, I think, is not fueling our interactions in positive ways. So I'm, I want you to know I'm trying to get around or over this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I actually experienced some grace from my kids. It's interesting, too, is we talked about this a little bit yesterday, that um, there's two parents. Yeah. And they have different... Thank ex- God. And, mm-hmm. and thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. And they have different experiences and one parent at certain times may have more wisdom on an issue and the other parent is like, and okay, more functionality. Yeah, and we need, but they also, there also needs to be a realization that like your experience wasn't the same potentially as your spouse's experience. You need to come together to, to come up with a solution in the situation or, or whatever it is. I mean, Carrie, Carrie's experience going through dating was very, very different than mine. Mm-hmm. Like, really different. Very strict home. Lots of boundaries. Lots of curfews. Lot, like, really, really regimented. And my experience wasn't like that. So when our... I'm thankful at one level that we didn't start the whole high school and dating thing with a daughter. Yeah. Um, you know, so there was a lot we had to learn about. Like, you know, I don't... Putting all that on these on them right now is not going to 
Yeah. It's not, you know, and Carrie had to learn and listen, and I had to learn and listen, and we had to come up with, you know, a plan that worked. And, you know, it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge when you're, especially when you're doing it for the first time. Like, yeah. I'm, you know. Yeah, the first one out the door. The first yeah. one out the door, and you don't have anything to, you know. It was, what, how many years? 30 years almost since you were went on your first date? And a lot's changed. A little less than a little that. Less than that. <laughs> I was like, wow. Jeez. I'm not your age. I'm the age. <laughs> but it's so much changes in the world. Yeah. Between our lived experiences as young people and what our kids are living through. And sometimes we can't place, you know, we've talked about yeah. it before, but like, man. It's hard. I'm. Uh, if if like my folks would have had find my and I had a you know like that this wouldn't have worked well. <laughs> Someone told me yesterday that find my isn't even isn't and even foolproof. Yeah, yeah. You have to like. Yeah. There's more apps. Mm. I can't handle any more apps. I'm glad I don't know what <laughs> I know. that is yet. Matt, you're like, oh, my little baby's at home. They're never mm. going to grow up. You will be oh, here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll slam you in the face. You be ready. Oh. All right, uh, let's go to the next one. Great sermon. It reminded me of Bonhoeffer's warning against cheap grace. Can you give some examples of how you handle this in the home? We have elementary <laughs> age kids. Nice question. And I'm not sure how to communicate this message to them. Thanks. Yeah, we just gave a, a little yeah. parenting seminar, which is great. My only, uh, I would, in my home, I worked hard to distinguish between mistakes and sin when you're displaying your kids. So spilling the milk at the dinner table is a mistake. Throwing your glass at the milk table at a sibling is a sin. And so Jesus didn't die for our mistakes. Uh, Jesus died for our sin. And so uh, we need to teach our children uh, how to handle both. A mistake is one thing. <laughs> we need to move slower at the dinner table or, uh, so that we don't make the mistake of knocking over the milk glass again. Uh, but throwing your milk glass at a sibling? Well, now we've got an anger issue. You've sinned against them. Um, and... And we need to talk them through what's going on in your heart. Uh, you know, sin is a heart issue. And so you want, you need the verbiage. I'm afraid our Christian homes are afraid to talk about sin. We're afraid to use the verbiage. And if you don't use the verbiage, then they don't sense any urgency for a change of heart and for the good news and um, forgiveness so I think we really need to use the verbiage. We need to lead them in prayer. Hey, um, you know, let's, let's ask God to change the anger that's going on in our heart. Let's confess it as sin, and, and let's ask God to, to address the anger in our hearts and grow us through it so we don't throw our milk glass at one another. So I'm just kind of building on this example. Uh, and you can pray about mistakes, too. Uh, I mean, let's, let's pray that at the table we move a little slower, and, um, and we're not so hasty, um, but I hope that's helpful. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I'd say is, I, I did, as my kids grew older, share with them areas where I had uh, needed the Lord to work on my heart, where sin was present in my heart. And I know that, that that's touch and go. You know, I think I've shared on the podcast before, I shared at the appropriate age with all my kids that I had struggled with pornography. And I shared that with all my kids, male and female, uh, because it's a very real struggle among females, uh, teenage girls these days. And so, and I'll never forget the feeling of, the, 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 the sense of relief on my children's face when they realized I had struggled. Mm -hmm. Like, in other words, they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's important that we share with our kids um, I think God's done a work in our lives. I think the distinction between mistakes and sins has been really good. It's been helpful for me as a parent, and they're asking about parenting. Yeah. What gets tricky is like, is um, when you hammer kids for making mistakes. You know what I mean? And then everything feels like you know, and yet at the same time, you want to parent through mistakes. You can't keep making the same mistakes over and over. Maybe the pattern of your mistake is turning into a sin. Um, and then how we react to sin as well. You know, um, 
I, I kids would, will be reluctant. I think what I'm trying to say is I think kids will be reluctant to talk about sin because in a child's mind, they can't always do a great job of distinguishing between mistake and sin, yeah. especially when their parent treats them both the same or perhaps treats mistakes harsher than they treat a sinful behavior. Because yeah. yeah. with with when you know a sin is happening, you know the source, you want to give grace, you want to talk about their heart, whatever. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I almost would prefer to deal with the throwing the glass across the table than the kid who keeps spilling the milk because mm-hmm. he's moving too fast right. in the kitchen. Right. Now you know you want to be like, with. slow down, come on, you know? Whereas like Absolutely. the sin issue, yeah. and you know, and so. So when... So I think in parenting, it's very important to work hard to understand our children's personality. Remember, personality is morally neutral. It's neither right nor wrong. I was the kid bouncing off the walls. I spilled, I sp- today, it, every time I'm in the kitchen, I make a mess. I, something ends up on the floor. That's sin, Kelly. <laughs> That's my, but it's my personality. And so Sherry's very patient with me, for the most part, mm-hmm. but... I do need to mature there. But the maturity is not really in character. Right. The maturity is... Um, Controlling your personality yeah. as it interacts with others. Yes. Yeah. So I, it, it's not an issue of my heart that I spill coffee every morning. It's that I'm moving so fast uh, and I can grow to understand. But if we can understand our kids' personality then we can talk with them about the difference between um, um, mistakes and sin. sin. All right, let's go to the next one. If the Puritans were a needed corrective for their time, what is the needed corrective for our time? I can't help but think some Puritan emphasis on sin would help America. I do. I think it would, it would help America, but we need to be careful. Okay, so the Puritans wanted to purify the Protestant churches of their day, the Church of England primarily. So the Puritans were aiming primarily, not exclusively, at a revival within the church, the purity of the church. Correcting American culture is, is not really my goal. It may be an outcome of revival within the church. Lord willing, it would be an outcome where the church is a city set on a hill where to be salt and light. It may be an outcome that the American culture um, is blessed by the church, but the goal is that that the church would become more pure, that we would be uh, more Christ-like. So let's, let's make sure that we're offering the gospel to the lost those out in the world, uh, but we're not trying to redeem American culture. We're trying to live in an honorable way. And the reason I point this out is I do think it'd be great if for the American culture t- to, to have some of the influence of the Puritans, but, uh, but I think it would be best if we start, revival starts with the house of God, with the people of God. I think let's focus first on the people of God and and we need to be honest that we have some, some blame for the way American culture is going. We, we, we're, we have some, some ownership in that. So um, I, I've been reading the Old Testament prophets lately, and it's, it's amazing how uh, revival-oriented they are, how they're calling uh, the people of God back to him to honor him. So I guess in summary, rather than focusing on the America broad swath, having some of the flavor of Puritan influence in their lives, I I think it'd be great if the American church, if Christians had some of that. Mm All right, Uh, let's go to the next one. You said something Sunday I hadn't heard before, something about how the Bible wasn't written to us. What did you mean by that? (laughs) Yeah, both services, just kind of off the cuff, I, I had mentioned that Deuteronomy wasn't written to us. It was written by ancient authors to ancient audiences. Failing to recognize this makes it really hard to interpret it accurately and apply it to our lives. We can say with all confidence the Bible was written for us, that, the, that God in his sovereignty had the people of God throughout all time and, and ages in mind as he preserved this word 
of Moses to Israel in the book of Deuteronomy and, and, and in all of scripture. So although it wasn't written to us, it was written for us, and that the Holy Spirit's wisdom and brilliance is still available uh, as we read it. Uh, God has preserved the testimony um, of his faithfulness in scripture, his faithfulness to his faithless people, and when we read it, we learn about who God is and how we can better honor him. Uh, I brought up, for example, I brought up Hebrews 3, because I, I think it would be easy for us to think, gosh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, remember and never forget your sinfulness. Are we sure that's a message to us? Wasn't that just a message to Israel? Well, if you, if you fast forward several thousand years and you read Hebrews 3, you say, oh my gosh, by the Holy Spirit, that's Hebrews 3, 3 chapter, uh, verse 7, the writer of Hebrews says, by the Holy Spirit. So we actually know the Holy Spirit is interpreting Deuteronomy for the people of the first century. And he's preserving it for the people of the 21st century and beyond. So uh, the writer of Hebrews looks back at the Israelites and notes that some did not enter God's rest in chapter three. And there's a really strong admonition, see to it then, that there's no unbelieving, uh, um, sinful unbelieving heart among you. And so we, we, we can, we can make much of God's word to us, even uh, for us, even though it wasn't written to us. That's good. Uh, last one. I grew up in a church that must have been puritanical. I never heard about God's grace and love until I went away from college. Your sermon yesterday was a wild ride for me. I felt whiplashed at times, bouncing between God's wrath toward my sin and God's love toward me despite my sin. Which is it? <laughs> you guys have that effect of all? I've been talking too much. Can y'all relate to this at all? <laughs> Of you talking too much? <laughs> <laughs> Someone actually came up after service and said this to me. Mm. So which is it? So I just thought I would offer it to the listeners. The answer is yes. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the ride of of walking with Jesus. Is like mm. it's this tension of striving for godliness, but being aware of your sinfulness day in and day out. I mean, it just it can feel I don't know whiplash. There are it's churches tense, out there, though. Yeah, right. but I don't know. There are churches out there. I mean, that there's a lot of ways to grow a church. Uh, you could grow a church by fear. Mm. You can grow a church by anger. I don't know if you ever sat uh, in an in under the leadership of an angry minister, angry at whatever. Um, so the, the, the outrage can grow a church. Outrage at this. Outrage at that. Outrage at sin is a very popular outrage for pulpiteers and, and ministers. So it, it can be the case that you could grow up in a church and never hear of God's grace and love. Um, and so, but I do, I think it is both. When, when, when this person asks, which is it? It's both. We are sinners saved by grace. And, and we have to hold that reality in tension. We can't throw one off of the other. It, and there are churches in and there are churches in America that never mention sin. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's very they easy. Feed, they feed into each other. They kind of go in a circle, and your, my faith grows bigger and bigger as I think about oh, this yep. holy God that mm -hmm. required all of these laws and all these ceremonial laws, and only one person could come near, even near his presence. And, oh, and, only and people died by people died when they disobeyed mm -hmm. his some of these ceremonial laws, and mm -hmm. and, and and so you you start to have this image of God built up, this wrathful God, this holy God. But then you know when you you look at Jesus and like what that means and and now you can approach God it just it, for me they just feed into each other mm -hmm. they so they have to go for in my mind they have to go together like mm -hmm. for me to just have this full sense and, and knowledge of God and heart for God that whiplash yeah. isn't ideal that's not <laughs> what you're encouraging by any strain but no not at but all it's a both. It's, we have to hold them yeah they're both true mm-hmm do you think there could be any, this just came to me, so this might be wrong. Half-baked ideas? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the, this, the verse that you spent a lot of time on yesterday was verse seven, mm -hmm. right? Remember this and never forget how you aroused the anger of the Lord, mm -hmm. your God, in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Is there any value, and not just, rem maybe, maybe Moses' point, 
could have been, remember how you made the Lord mad and don't do that again, but also how you felt in doubting the Lord or your unfaithfulness to like there, there could there be any like also remember that you were far from God in your sin and stay away from that as well. Yeah. Do you know, you remember, so to the Puritan, remember I quoted the Puritan book, remember the aggravations of your sin, the defilement, the Mm -hmm. deformity of your sin. So remember the ramifications of your sin. Yes. Yeah. That it, they, it didn't satiate you. It didn't fill you. You didn't feel good afterwards. You felt abandoned by God. Yeah, I would. So, in remembering my sin, I I would certainly remember the consequences of it. And and here's the good news: we're saved from our sin. We're saved to something better. Yeah. There, I mean, I actually meet with restoration as I'm trusting in Christ and and the damage that sin has done in my life. I have the hope of restoration. I'll be honest with you. I've met with a lot of restoration. I, I spoke with a man this week, just kind of in passing, and I said, uh, I, he and I were disagreeing on something, and I said, here's what I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear how faith in Christ has brought healing in your life, and I would be willing to share that with you. Uh, and he and I were talking about how Christ brings healing. And so when I say remember our sins, and when Scripture in Hebrews 3 says, see to it, there's no sinful, unbelieving heart among you, it's telling us that it's sin's not going to be a good thing for us. It's going to leave us damaged, and the hope is found in Christ, and the healing's found in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. If you want to get a good, um, a good visual of uh, and a good reading of of how some of these Puritans held talked about their sin and grace at the same time in a really good and healthy, a inspiring good, a good way. Puritan? Um, uh, the book, the Valley of vision Mm -hmm. Puritan prayer book. It's my favorite prayer book. I've gosh, I I read it a lot. And and the prayers are just, they're just poetry. Like the prayers are powerful Mm -hmm. and they do, they talk about, they talk about sin and great, depth and, and just the ramifications of it, but the prayer always goes to grace too. And then and they, they explore grace just as deeply as they explore sin. And I find it helpful in prayer to to go that deep in both mm. in both sides. Yeah, it's called the Valley of Vision. Check it out. Oh yeah. All right, uh, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the next level. Prophecy.